All right. Hey, glad to have you here. Uh, Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you'll enjoy your day off tomorrow and uh, we will go from there. But hey, I just want to say to you uh, a couple of things. Uh, Ray uh, Wimsett, many of you are praying for him. Ray was back this week, is, is doing well, is recovering. So many of you guys that were praying for Ray and he's back and actually went to work this week. So uh, it was an infection around the heart sac. Uh, but, the, but again, no damage to the heart, all good. We're very, very thankful for that, all right? Second thing is, some of you guys know who Paul is. Paul, who you'll see him here setting up and tearing down. Paul uh, was released from the hospital and is really hoping to be with us next Sunday. Uh, but just be praying more for just for him to recover. We'd want for that to take place. All right, Jeff, if you'll switch over to my screen, uh, we will go from there. Hey, we want to let you know uh, that we are in uh, basically week six of this last part of our uh, our sacrifice section, and I'll walk you through that. By the way, uh, the verses of this message are on uh, Uversion. If you have the app, just go to Uversion, go under Find Events. It's one of the bottom ones. You'll find uh, Cedars Church, and then all the verses are there for you, and you can follow along as we go, and there's going to be quite a few. So um, in this, I have a short time uh, to do this. What we've been doing throughout our time here is we've been talking about this equipping co- uh, concept, and we started with this idea that we all are going to be a disciple. To the day you die, you will be a disciple who is learning from Christ himself, learning from his word, learning from others, and we walked you through that. And then we said that a disciple is someone who has God's word, and that God's word is the way in which we live and how we live and what we do. And then we looked at the idea of servanthood and what it means to be a servant of Christ. Then Jesus himself made himself a servant for that to take place. We talked about a prayer life, and we walked through that, about what does it look like to be praying individually and together, and what does your quiet time look like, and then we have been in this section on sacrifice. The pattern has been this. We will do five weeks of teaching, then the sixth Sunday, we're doing a thing called praxis. It just means that we are putting something into practice. And so, for example, prayer, we have prayer stations, or there's different elements in which we've wanted you to to basically do something or be a part of something, and today is no different. Oh, I see what the problem is. When you don't put your microphone on, you're going, why is there an issue? Because I hit it in my shirt because it was bothering me, and now we're better. And there we go. All right. Lindsay, you want to take the rest of this? My notes are up here. You want it? No? Okay, good. So, (laughs) sorry about that. So in that, I was like, wow, I just seem muffled. What is going on? Uh, So in this, uh, we have been doing this. And I want you to know that we're excited about what will happen today. And you're like, why are there apples on the stage? You'll figure that out in a little bit. So here's what I wanted us to look at. The idea of it is in this idea of sacrifice has to do with the fact that God wants us. So let me explain to you this way. This is Romans eleven thirty three through 36. It says this. Oh, the depth. By the way, you're going to see exclamation points for your ears. I'm not going to be as loud as what Paul is writing as he says this, but I want you to get the passion behind what Paul is saying. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And this is the verse we're going to be looking at. Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. 
To him be glory forever. Amen and amen. So here's the question that was just asked. Who could give a gift to God? Who could give something? I mean, what do you have that he needs? Like, oh, here's the keys to my car. Here's the keys to my house. Here's what it is. What can we give him? And the reality is, is that nothing from our human place can. So let me illustrate it to you this way. When I was a youth pastor, um, I was a part of a church that was having a, a building. We we're building a building with a new sanctuary, but it had a basement. And it came around Christmas time. And I, being me, uh, snuck all the kids into the construction zone into the basement. And uh, we set it up that in this basement, uh, there was. There was just lumber, and it was probably a dumb thing to do, but I did it anyway. And there was lumber and all this stuff, but we got them in there. And what we were trying to illustrate was... Again, when Jesus was born, we say, obviously, in, you know, basically in, in a barn or in a cave or something like that, that that was not the place that they wanted to have a child be born. And so we just made this construction site kind of a modern day. And so there's dirt and there's filth and, and, and there's all these things. But we had them come in with candles and it was cold because it was December. And so we just kind of talked about what it would be like that if Jesus was to be born in something like this, just the, the dirt that would happen there. And so we were talking through that. And then we got to the story uh, of the wise men. And we said, what gifts would you give to Jesus? Like, what could you bring to Jesus? And the reality is, is that uh, we have nothing to offer him. Again, he doesn't need our money. He's not needing of those things. And so we had worked this whole thing through. And so we just had a box that was basically like a construction box. And we just said, this would be like the manger. And we said, what, what would you give to Jesus? And so we had turned the whole thing around. And we said, why don't you write the sin that you want to give to Jesus? Because Jesus came to take away your sin. He came to separate you from your sin, to give you life. And so we'd given them little scraps of paper. And they were writing that. And kids were walking up. And they were dropping in the box the sin that they were going to give to Jesus. And I remember looking down. And I was looking probably at my notes or looking at something. And then a commotion happened. And there was a young man who was standing in the box. And he says, this is what I give. And see, in that moment, what had happened was, what I thought was good, this kid just made it better. Does that make sense? Because God doesn't just want my sin. He wants me. He wants all of me. He didn't come for my sin only. He didn't come for my, for my blessings only. He came for all of me. Now, the question that was asked in chapter, the end of chapter 11 was, what gift could you give to Jesus? This is one of the situations where the chapters and the verses kind of mess things up because the very next verse is this. Sorry, sorry. Um, for his, I'm sorry, here we go. Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. That you become a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So that kid got it. What gift can I give to him? I give him me. And that is literally me as a living sacrifice. Because in saying this part of us saying sacrifice, 
You know, Lindsay started us off with this idea that we sacrifice the heart. And then I talked about we sacrifice our identity. And then we talked about the idea of our time and future. And then we talked about our, our possessions. And let me just say this to you. Our possessions are a good barometer of where our heart is. But again, he's not looking for the money. Yes, he set up a system in which we as a church use those funds to do ministry and help those. But his issue is this. We can flip this and make it be like, oh, as long as I give the money, then God's happy. No, he's not. If you're going to come up and just write a check and yet you're not going to be fully involved, it doesn't matter to him. We talked about that two weeks ago. But see, it's easy for churches to stand up and go, oh, this is what you need to do. You need to give more and you need to do this. And I'm like, it misses the point. If I'm going to sacrifice, I sacrifice me. Yes, and along with that does come my money, but it can't flip that around and make that the most important. But churches have done that for forever. It needs to be my heart. It needs to be me. I am the one who stands in the manger and goes, this is my gift. It's me. So let's walk through this. Matthew 22, verse 37. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I did a Greek word, uh, lookup of the word all, and I want you to know that the Greek word for all means all. Everything. Not leave anything out. All. Not a portion, not some, not a version. All. See, this is what he's saying. If I'm going to be a living sacrifice, then you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. That's all of me. And I begin to to see that what I do and how I live and how I love and how I parent and how I friend... All. All. Luke 9, 23 through 24. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Daily remember that, that I'm his. Daily remember that all of me, that I deny myself, I am in that imagery of taking up my cross, I am dying to self. And I'm giving him all. That's the hope, that's the the, the deal, is that daily I'm coming to him saying, God, I'm yours again. No matter what I'm going into, no matter what I'm trying to do, I'm all yours. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So we came to this idea of sacrifice, and we're trying to put a wrap-up on this series of, of this part of like, what does it mean to be a disciple who sacrifices? And we're trying to come to say, it's you, and, and, and it's all of you, and you're the living sacrifice. But I will tell you, we struggled. How do we, how do we make this happen? So, as a staff, we, we would try to be like, what does it look like, and, and how do we do this? And this is what we came up with. 
So what's going to happen now is this. You will, underneath your seats or near you is a paper and pen. I'm going to ask you to find those, please. Um, some of them, if you don't have, you might have to go a couple of seats down, but they're, they're around. You'll find them, a paper and a pen. Grab that piece of paper. And this is what we want you to do. You'll see 10 spots. We want you to write up to 10 things that are your best. That are your best. By the way, these are not sins. These are not struggles. I want you to know that I feel like it's easy for us sometimes to go, well, I'll give God this, I'll give this. But, but, but God's saying, no, I want your best. What is your best? What are you most proud of? What has God blessed you with? What talent or gift has he given you? Your best. And for about the next three minutes or so, this is the exercise we want you to do. Music is going to play, and we want you just to pray through and write down. By the way, some of you may get three, four, five, six. We're not trying to make you fill the page. But up to ten things that are your best. Pray through that. What are they? Jeff will play some music while you do so.
for some of you, those 10 were easy. For some, in my hands in the air. You write a couple things and you start to struggle because what happens is you start to dwell on those struggles and those sins more. If we'd put your friends around you, they would probably fill out your list fairly easily. But ourselves, we struggle. But we hope that what you're doing is you're seeing that God has blessed you. I don't care how small it is. What is something that's happening? Now, this is what we want you to do. Of those ten, choose one, two, or three. Up to three, just you look at them and you go, these three, I'll choose from my best. Put a star next to them, circle them. Choose three. It may not be easy, and so I'm going to go back into our message, and you might want to take some time to think about that. But you started with ten. I encourage you to go down to three. Because this is how we want to help you. In Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 48, it reads like this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Now, I need to say something to you. Jesus is specifically speaking to his disciples. This is not to the world. This is not to the unbeliever. This was to his disciples. And we should not put this on unbelievers. He's looking to his disciples, those who had traveled with him, and he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Now, he's looking at their lives, and he's asking them a very specific question. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And and when a flood arose, the string broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. Those who hear my words and do them are like the man who builds down to the foundation and stands against the flood. When I was young, I had this really weird concept, and I know it's not what the scripture says, but my brain said that if I did the right things, that the storms wouldn't come. Let me tell you something. The storms are coming. You don't get to keep the storms away. All you can do is build a house that withstands them. That's what you get to do. And how you do that is to hear his words and to do them. And one of the things that America is struggling with in the church is there's a number of people who come and hear the words of God, and that's it. How do we hear the word of God and do them? Because that's what he's asking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Now, let me tell you something. You're going, wait a minute, Jeff, you're talking about sacrifice, and now you're talking to me about doing. I'll, I'll connect the dots in a minute. I'll connect the dots as to this is not about 
action as much about who you are. Let's look at this. James 1, 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Okay, I'm looking at a mirror. I'm looking at my natural face in a mirror. For if he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what it's like. So if I go away, look in the mirror, walk away and forget, then I got to come back and look, right? But he goes, no, those who do, those who do, look what he says, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So let me go back to this. I don't have an animal that I go home to and say, okay, this is the animal that I'm going to bring to the temple and sacrifice it. I don't have anything of value that I can say to God, okay, here's my baseball card collection, or here's my, here's my Xbox, or whatever it is that I think I put whatever value into that God is going to be impressed with. That's not the system anymore. So what is it? And then all of a sudden I realize, just like that kid in that toolbox, it's me. So therefore, what I do matters. Because all of a sudden what is happening is I am giving of me, meaning that I live and do in a way that honors him. That's how I sacrifice. How I sacrifice is I begin to act like him and do what he says for me to do and begin to live this life. I become a living sacrifice. This becomes spiritual worship. So what I do, how I live with my, with, with my spouse, how I live with my family, how I do my job, how I go to school, how I study, all of those things begin to reflect and become a sacrifice to him. It's me. It's how I live. It's not just this thing I give him. It's not like I write a check and go, good, I'm good for a couple of weeks. And by the way, some of us feel that way. Oh, I went to a work day. God, did you see me? I was at the work day. I'm good, right? God goes, no, I want to know how you are. Listen, let's face it. You get up every morning. I'm going to do good. You make it till like 10 o'clock before it all unravels, right? And if you commute earlier than that, right? I commute in the canyon. I get to the canyon. It's over for me. But here's what God is doing. He's saying, no, Jeff, I want all of it. I want it all. I want the good, I want the bad, I want the struggles. I want it all, but I want it all to start pushing towards me. So watch this. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. See, this is what we do. We come into situations and we go, I don't really like my boss. I don't really like the company. It's just a paycheck. I'll do the bare minimum. I'll just get by. And God looks at you and goes, no, 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 he's not your boss, I'm your boss. I don't care what he is looking at, I care what I'm looking at. You represent me. If they find out that you're a child of mine, I want them to see the best child of mine. I want them to see the hardest working child of mine. I want them to see this with the greatest heart of the child of mine. Because you're supposed to be giving me glory, you're supposed to be worshiping me in what you do. How you work. 
I remember I was working for a furniture company and we took on our break. It was a 15 minute break and the 15 minutes was up and I got up and there was a set of tools. And I was told at one time, hey, if there's nothing to do, go into the parking lot and take care of weeds. So I got up and went to the parking lot and started taking care of weeds. And the reason why is not because the owner of the company was there. He wasn't there. He wasn't going to watch me. I believe that God was watching me. And I remember when the guy came and goes, what are you doing? You're making us look bad. I go, I'm not making you look like anything. I am doing what they've asked me to do. That's on you if you have a problem with what I'm doing, not on me. And what's interesting enough is, yes, in those moments, then God blesses us when we have those times. And God blessed me in that job because he was my boss, not Johnny Thompson, who we called Jet. Yes, he signed my paychecks, but God was my boss. God is watching you in the classroom. God is watching you on your neighborhood. God is watching you on the sports team. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He's going to be the one who pays you at the end. Yes, you can get a paycheck from a company, but that company is not paying your eternity. It's just not. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do, are you seeing a theme yet? In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, watch this, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything by him. I will tell you that's being the sacrifice. By the way, let me stand over here. This is not about you being busy. There's a lot of people that can come to church and just be busy and not have their heart be a part of it. It is about, it is about giving of your life and saying, God, all I have is yours. I'm going to give you my best. One more. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink. We're getting into how I eat and drink. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That's having to do with food sacrifice to idols, but the point is this. Whatever you do, think about what it means. Think about how you're doing it. Can I tell you there's something, nothing more blessed than to sit with your family and eat a meal that is just good and laugh and talk and enjoy. God sees that as worship if it's given to him. Now, why do we come here to this? So we are a few uh, months of sometimes weeks ahead of you, and so we were putting this together, and we're like, okay, what do we want this praxis to be, this thing? Because, well, we want you to not just to listen, but to have you do something. And some of you guys were here, we did the prayer one, or some of you were here because we did different elements. And, and, and for whatever reason, we really just struggled at one point, a time, we talked about having a live lamb up on stage so that you would see what it would cost to have. And we thought, no, we wouldn't need to do that. But the idea is a live lamb. We weren't going to kill it. But the idea is, you know, the idea of a picture of what it would, We're like trying to figure this out. And by the way, it can be very easy to say, okay, well, financially, we should, we should you know, we, 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 people can make commitments to give. And that would have missed the point. See, the thing is, is if your heart's fully for him, the giving part takes care of itself. 
So we were trying to figure this out. How do we talk about you giving the best, the best, and the best? So, if you ever have somebody say to you, turn to 2 Corinthians, hope it's not chapter 5. If it is chapter 5, hope it's not verses 14 and 15. Today, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Here we go. For the love of Christ controls us. I just have a simple question. Does his love control you, or do you still have control of the joystick or the mouse or the steering wheel? It's a simple question. What controls you? What drives you? Is it the title? Is it the degree? Is it the name? Is it the power? For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. Now watch this. Verse 15 is where it hurts. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. I can't be any clearer than this, folks. He died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. I die to Jeff and his desires, and I live to his. But for him who for their sake died and was raised. I don't live for myself. I live for him. I give in the morning for him. I go to work for him. The people that I work with and interact with in my job are for him. They're not people to step on to get to someplace else. They're for him. My dad was a diesel mechanic. He fixed cars for him. You're a photographer. You take pictures for him, for his glory. When people meet you, they see that you do things for him. Because you have become a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Romans 12.1 I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So, We knew it was Labor Day weekend. We didn't know what the count was going to be. We guesstimated as best as that we can. And so I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. Of the three that you have set aside on your piece of paper, we want you to choose one. One. And we want you to come up with one word that identifies that. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your, um, I don't know, maybe it's your, your ability. Maybe it's your family. I, I don't want to put things, but pick one. And this is a series on sacrifice. And what we're saying to you is, is we are going to have, up here there are two uh, barrels with apples in them, and there's some pens. For about five minutes or so, we're going to have a song played, and you're going to come up, and you're just going to pick up an apple, and with that one word, you're just going to write that, and you're going to say, because here's what the apples represent. The apples represent this. The apples represent first fruits. Our first fruits, right? That's what this is, first service. That's what they did. 
This is first fruits. And you're going to give him your best. One of those three. And you're saying, God, I'm sacrificing this to you. I'm putting this before you. And remember, it means I will live in making that be for you. Again, have that one word that represents that. Now, I think we may be okay on apples, but if we get up and the apples are done, feel free just to go over, grab one, and on the other side of where someone has written, just write your word. It's that simple. By the way, because of our world, there's wax on the apples. Guess what? Pens don't like to interact with wax, and so you're going to try to write nicely because some of you, it's going to drive you nuts that it's not going to write nicely, like your OCD is going to kick in. It's okay. God knows what that word was. Does that make sense? Do your best. Bring it up to him. Set it up there. Because this is what we want you to understand. All this is is a symbolism of what we want you to take away from this series. God, I want to give you my best. That which I'm most proud of, that which I have all this hope in, I give that to you. Because if we can forgive by giving him his best, giving him our best, it's amazing what happens with the rest of our lives. May you be today that kid who stand, stood in that box and says, me. Me. All my struggles, all my fears, all my worries, me. But may it start to focus on doing what is best for him. Because in all that you do and all that you are, may you sacrifice you to be his living sacrifice as your act of worship. Jeff's going to play a song. You may come up. One word. Put it at the foot of the cross. You may begin.
So I just want you to know that our desire is that, again, this symbolizes that you're going to give your best. As a disciple, you give you. And I know you're going to wrestle and you say, but I'm not the best. He knows. And he died for you so that you could have life and have it to the full. And he died for you so that he could give you grace and give you mercy. And he died for you that you could have life abundantly. And so he wants you to give that life to him. So yeah, how you go into your home and how you go into your work and how you go into these things, give that to him. Esteban's going to lead us in this last song of worship. Communion is still available prayer wall over here at any time you can come and fill that up but we just wanted you to see this because those who would have come to the temple would have given their first and would have given their best and really all that apple represents is you saying it's me it's me so Stevan's going to Lead us to this last worship song, and Lindsay's going to come up and finish our service. God bless you guys.